So like you watched horror movies when you were younger, right? Fuck yeah, I did. Did you watch horror movies when you were younger? Yeah. They used to freak me the fuck out. <laughs> like when I was a kid. Actually, you want to hear the thing that scared me the most when I was a kid? What? Jurassic Park. I thought really? a dinosaur was just going to pop through my fucking window. Just hock a loop on you and fucking run. Just fucking come and eat me. Like, I, it scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> American Werewolf in Paris. Because the London one's the older one. It, the like, Paris was the new out? one. Yeah, no. I got forced to, like, watch it in, like, a trailer in the middle of the woods uh-huh. by myself. And, uh, oh, and then man. I got forced to sit in the truck for an hour waiting for my dad yeah. to come out of the trailer. Okay. And uh, we're talking middle of the forest, upstate New York, pitch black, like I'm, what, nine? Mm-hmm. I was fucking terrified. Oh, man, yeah. Like, well, when Jurassic Park came out, I was probably like eight or nine. Then, yeah. What's about you? Me? Yeah. Oh. Anything, like, when you were a kid, it just freaked you the fuck out? It don't even have to be a horror movie. It could have just been, like, that Shaq movie. <laughs> Shazam? Yeah, is that the yeah? No, that's not the right one. That's that's the Kazam fake one that Kazam, Kazam. Like you know, that was a scary I movie. Love, Bad listen, acting. Listen, the funny, the f- most fucked up part about my whole movie career as a child, uh-huh. like watching movies and shit, is the movies that I really enjoyed, and then now that I'm an adult and I see how badly they were shit on. Yeah, <laughs> like and they were actually bad movies, but I really enjoyed them as a kid. So like from the kids' perspective, it's cool. Uh-huh. From, from anybody else's, it's like that was hot garbage. I loved yeah. Kazam. Oh, okay. But uh, I, it, I got a good one for you, though. Wait, hold on. What? I wanted to ask. Wait, what you got? So have you ever had any horror movies have something weird in them that, like, turns you on? How did you know? Oh. You fucking weirdo. I what? swear you probably see my Google list. All right. What? That feels like such a targeted question. What? I mean, I, mean, I can ask it to Aziza. Yeah. Aziza. Oh. What do you got? Mine's just the dude's fucking up shit, man. So it's like, it's not that really fun. That turns you on? Yeah, dude. When a dude murks a dude, like, You're just hot. like, ah, Like, Bobby Mercer from Four Brothers is not my dream not man for no fucking God, reason. You and fucking Four Brothers. <laughs> what the fuck? You're not allowed to talk anymore. Listen, right. if a man uh, beats the sh- shit out of somebody, stabs them, right. kills them, I'm all about it. All right, that's kind of... Man being man. Nick, mine is disgusting. You know specific. how I've said before, like, you don't might not want to, like, piss her off? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not joking anymore. I know. Oh, yeah. But see, all right, I, I got a really specific answer for my. Oh, this is one of Nick's main kinks, apparently. No, 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 no. It was just the first thing I was like, huh, I like that. So, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Turns you on? No, 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 When no, no, Freddy, no. like. Specific part. There's a specific part. Which one's Where, Part 3 again? Part 3 is the Dream Warriors. With oh. the kids, with the kids and the thing. I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah. I've okay, seen okay. that. Oh. Okay, well, so there's this kid Joey. He gets he gets turned on by a a, a nurse. He been like after he been eyeing up this nurse the whole movie. She's like, oh, boobies, blah blah. She gets him on the bed, blah. But there's this thing that she does. She like starts to like grab him, and then she gets him down on this bed. And what she does is all the all the actress did was she turned her head real fast and they made like this growling noise. But what they did is they bound his hands to the bed and his ankles to the bed with tongues. 
So, oh, so she, remember that she scene. essentially like spit out a length of tongue and then it wrapped around and that what? fucking turned me on. I was like, can I get one of them? I want one of those. Can I just get one? I don't even need a whole one. I only need like this much. Your... <laughs> yeah, but see, so you had a nurse fetish for a no, while. No, it wasn't so... even about that. It was the thing. It was had nothing to do with the nurse. It, it was, was a tongue thing. It was a weird tongue thing. Ooh. Oh, see, that gave me the heat. Oh, that creeped me out. Well, then I went like... back and I watched part. Uh, I watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street and the part where Nancy and the tongue and stuff. There's uh-huh. no way somebody would fucking like whack their dick off that thing. What the fuck? Just is to say they did. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys are kind of both questionable to me. I'm starting to wonder. Listen, Mark, there are not a lot of things anymore that you can that are essentially flashlights, right? You're telling yeah. me a phone with a mouth in it isn't it wouldn't be a seller. I mean, like I an old school phone. It's definitely so age targeted. Not, not, I've never had a horror movie like turn me on. No. Unless there were like boobs in it. Yeah, that's it could be that too. There's boobs in the scene I was talking about. I just the part that turned me on was the weird tongue part. Okay, well, this is Mark. And this is Nick. And I'm Z. And And this this is the Guns and Gory Podcast. Hey! Guns and Gory! piece of shit hit record it's recording it should always be recording halloween's a pretty fun time of the year no it's not we're getting into it no. oh yes it is How it's, dare it's you say no no it's terrible you don't like hoodie weather nope oh my god oh. i like walking around naked outside in the middle of winter no i'm kidding yeah i, was gonna I say love it. halloween yeah who doesn't i didn't get to do halloween much as a kid i think people that are like ugly all year round don't like halloween because <laughs> the one day they're just like I'm probably normal. ignored. Wait, yeah. are we excited for all the Barbies that are going to be coming around this Halloween? <clears throat> oh, God. Because, like, the wave no. of Barbie this work. and Barbie that, like, it's just like Harley Quinn, man. I'm stoked. It's great. I have to work for Halloween. Oh, can we play, like, can we, like, take pictures of all the Barbies that we see Spot and see Barbie. how much, like, yeah, like how you do license plates with states, but do it with Barbies but and here's, then post it on oh. our stuff? But here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though. If... We're playing that same game with Barbie. Isn't the whole Oppenheimer thing like? Isn't that like we're getting into a creepy pasta then a little bit? Because it's like, oh, that dude's dressed like Oppenheimer, That's and not all it is creepy is like pasta. You no, want to hear just some saying, creepy pasta? Just creepy dudes walking or slender creepy dudes walking. I got around some in suits, creepy pastas for you, like Men in Black with style. what, like oh. pencil stashes and stuff. Yeah, uh, walking, chain smoking cigarettes. Talking oh, about like how Cigarellos, they're... though, like the wee little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're oh, describing Gomez. <laughs> no, he smokes cigars. Get it correct, sir. Okay, but he has the pencil, this mustache. And... Yes, but he loves his wife and he smokes cigars, so he's not creepy at all. Well, yeah. I think we just found Mark's horror but... movie crush. <laughs> Gomez <laughs> Adams. Oh, <gasps> that's what you should go as is Halloween. My favorite. Gomez Adams. No, Lily Munster. I had the biggest crush on her. Who? Uh, Lily Munster. Yeah. What the fuck? Who? Yeah, I didn't hear what you said. Grandpa, I listen. I to give you like impression I used now. to watch the old monsters, right? Yeah, I'm not talking white. about the so, tragedy like, that fucking. I Rob like Zombie every did. time she says grandpa, like <clears throat> I fucking love that dude. So like every time I hear somebody say grandpa, that's the voice I hear the name grandpa in. I always thought there was cool shit under the stairs. I like it when girls yeah. call me grandpa. Well, there was there was like a dragon or something. 
Yeah, they, they, had, had, they yeah. had a dragon thing. Oh, they had all kinds of cool shit going on under them stairs. So, mm-hmm. it's Halloween month. Well, not quite yet. It's Halloween season. It's Halloween it's spooky season. season. So. The, the pumpkin mm-hmm. spice bitches have arisen. So, we got yep. some creepy, scoopy, spooky, scoopy, I said PSLs scoopy awesome things. Rifles. Spooky things coming. Tonight, we're going to do some creepy pastas, our favorites. A pasta of creepiness? Yes. Or Well, actually, one of the stories is from uh, the No Sleep subreddit. Yeah. But... Because I'm yeah. a loser. That'd be fun. I'm gonna stutter a lot. Stutter. But you guys won't hear it because I'm just gonna edit it out. So. <laughs> I guess we can start. <laughs> yeah, Taco. You wanna read? All I think of. You wanna of. read, buddy? And just so we're clear, all I think of when it when it's my turn to read is gonna be Fifty Cent calling out Floyd Mayweather about reading a uh, Harry Potter page. Yeah, that's exactly what's gonna go. <laughs> that's Nick's creepy pasta. That's my creepy pasta. Taco. Quit talking shit, man. Let them talk their own shit. Oh, no. You got it. There's a pack of werewolves outside. Yeah. Well, we'll wait until Taco is done. Ask me how many silver bullets I have. Why are you being racist? An an alarmingly low amount. (laughs) Not enough to save us. (laughs) Is he racist? You can't talk about him because he's black and white. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If you're armed and at the Glenmont Metro... Please shoot me. Make it a headshot. Shoot me in the temple, aiming slightly downwards. I need the bullet to travel the shortest possible distance through my brain before it hits my hippocampus. If I'm lucky, the sensation of the gunshot ripping through my skull will only last a few decades. As awful as it sounds, you'll be doing me an enormous favor. Death by headshot. As soon as possible. Is vastly better than the alternative. My ordeal started over 10,000 years ago at 10.15 this morning. I earn extra money by participating in drug trials. I am a so-called healthy subject who takes experimental drugs to help assess side effects. Once it was a kidney drug. A few times it's been something for blood pressure or cholesterol. This morning they told me that the drug I took was a psychoactive substance intended to accelerate brain function. None of the drugs I had tested so far have done anything for me in the recreational sense. In other words, none of the drugs I've tested have given me a killer buzz or mellowed me out or anything. Maybe I've always ended up the placebo group, but nothing I've tested had affected me at all. Today's drug was different. This shit worked. They gave me a pill at 10.15 and told me to hang out in the waiting room until they called me back for some tests. Only about 30 minutes, the research assistant told me. I flopped into the waiting room couch and read a few articles from a copy of Psychology Today that was sitting on the coffee table. They hadn't called me back when I finished the Psychology Today, so I picked up a U.S. news and read it cover to cover. Then I read an old Scientific American. What was taking them so damn long? I sluggishly turned my head to look at the wall clock. It was only 10.23 a.m., I had read all three magazines in eight minutes. I remember thinking that this was going to be a long day. I was right. The waiting room had a little bookshelf with some used hardcovers on it. When I stood up to walk to the bookshelf, it felt like my legs barely worked. It's not that they were weak. They were just slow. It took a full minute just to stand up off of the couch and another minute to take two steps to the bookcase. 
I scanned the old books on the shelf and picked out a copy of Moby Dick. My arms had the same problems as my legs. Just reaching one foot in front of me to grab the book took a long time. I actually got bored just waiting for my hand to reach the spine of the book. <laughs> I slogged back to the couch and collapsed onto it in a slow motion fall that reminded me of the low gravity hops of astronauts on the moon. I opened Moby Dick slowly and began reading. I started with Call Me Ishmael and got as far as Ahab throwing his pipe into the sea, which was all the way to friggin' chapter 30, before they called me back. How are you feeling? The research assistant asked me. I feel slow, I said. Actually, it's the other way around. Everything seems slow because you're so fast. But my legs, my arms, they're moving in slow motion. Your body seems like it's moving slowly because your brain is fast. Your brain is running 10 or 20 times faster than normal. You are thinking and perceiving reality at an accelerated pace, but your body is still constrained by the laws of biomechanics. Frankly, you're moving much faster than a normal person, she said, pantomiming a jogging motion, but your brain is running so much faster now that even your fast walk seems very slow to you. I thought about my slow motion flop onto the waiting room couch. Even if my muscles had slowed down, my body would still react to gravity the same way. But in the waiting room, I fell, but in the waiting room, I even fell in slow motion. Slow muscles couldn't explain why gravity seemed weaker. My brain was going at warp 10. That's how I managed to read three magazines and the first 30 chapters of Moby Dick in 15 minutes. They ran a series of tests on me. The physical tests were fun. They made me juggle three balls, then four, then six. I had no problem keeping six balls in the air. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to say Hold balls on. so many times. Come on. <laughs> Someone knew. Someone wrote that fucking line and said, someone's going to read this on their podcast one yep. day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I asshole. kept six balls in the air. Uh -huh. I can juggle three balls with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. They made me juggle three balls, then four, then six. I had no problem keeping six balls in the air because they seemed to be moving so slowly. It was boring, frankly, waiting for each ball to move through its arc so I could catch it with my slow motion hands and toss it back into the air. They threw Cheerios in the air and I caught them with chopsticks. They dropped a handful of coins and I counted the total value before they hit the ground. That's like Rain Man. Shit. That's like a vampire. Right. The cognitive it's tests were less fun, but very illuminating. Finishing a 50-word word search, three seconds. Solve an intricate maze drawn onto a poster-sized paper, two seconds. View a slideshow projected at 10 images per second and answer detailed questions about what I saw, 95% correct. They told me I measured over 250 on the NOP scale. Apparently, that's deep into the superhuman range of thinking speeds. Then they sent me home. It'll wear off in a couple of hours, they said, which will seem like days to you. Try to use the residual effects to get some work done. Catch up on work emails while you're still in high-speed mode. The ride home was horrible. It was only three metro stops, and in real-world time, it only took about 35 minutes. But in my drug-accelerated hypertime, it took, like, days. Days. Just walking out of the medical research suite to the elevator seemed like it took an hour. I sprinted out of the office, willing my legs to push me faster. But the laws of biomechanics held me prisoner. 
As accelerated as my brain was, I couldn't do anything to make my legs work faster. The huge disconnect between my body and mind made it extremely difficult to judge how and when to slow down, turn, or rotate my body. I had basically turned into a giant slow-motion spaz. I misjudged my speed and rammed into the wall by the elevator button at a very good speed. Even though I could see the wall coming at me, I couldn't make my finger outstretched to hit the elevator button, move away fast enough, and I jammed it against the wall. Hard. The pain was intense. If my brain had been running at regular speed, it probably only would have hurt for 30 seconds or so. But in my accelerated state, the intense pain seemed to last for half an hour, 45 minutes maybe. The elevator ride was horrible. It felt like I spent four or five hours just descending seven floors, with nothing to look at but the interior of the elevator car. I sprinted to the metro station. I have to admit, this part was almost fun. Even though my body moved at what it seemed to me super slow speed, I could still carefully choose how and where to place my feet, swing my arms, and turn my torso. It only took a block or two getting used to having a brain that ran two dozen times faster than my body. Then I basically sprint danced the rest of the way, twisting and juking between people on the sidewalk and dodging moving cars within inches, aka minutes, of clearance. I spent an hour in my time frame, descending into the subway and running to the platform. Endless tedium waiting the six minutes for the red line train to arrive. Although there was more to look at on the metro platform than inside the elevator, it was still intensely boring. I should have stolen that copy of Moby Dick. The red line train roared into the station in slow motion. The normally high-pitched squeal of its brakes was frequency shifted by my high-speed mind to a low, long tone like a monotone tuba solo. It wasn't just the squilling subway train that was three octaves lower than normal. All the sound was slowed to the point of near inaudibility. Voices were gone, shifted below the threshold frequency of my hearing. I did manage to hear a screaming baby on my subway car. Her shrieks slowed to sound like whale songs. Sharp sounds like a car horns and trucks bouncing over potholes were low, muddied roars like distant thunder. Back at the research offices, I could still hear and communicate with the research staff, but now verbal communication with anyone would be impossible. The effects of the drugs were still intensifying. Talking to somebody who talked really slow would be just agonizingly know, painful, it, like, like it is for us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so basically our brains already work a little fast now. <laughs> it's just really familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, hey, I know what that's like. <laughs> I spent just the fuck out. <laughs> Not I you. S- <laughs> I didn't mean you, I meant... Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. I spent what seemed like days on that fucking red line train. Days. Listening to the well song of the screaming baby and the tuba solo of breaks, where ordinary voices were frequency shifted out of my audio range, smells didn't seem to be affected. I never became nose-blind to the body odor, the stench of the train's brakes, the melange of farts and other smells wafting through the metro car. I finally got back to my apartment. Sprinting through my open door and into the front hall at full speed was like a slow, relaxing drift by a lazy river. I was relieved to be home. At least I had stuff I could do here. I picked up a book. 
I was reading 100 Years of Solitude and finished it. Despite turning the pages so quickly that I tore many of them, it seemed like most of the time I spent finishing the book was spent on page turning and not actually reading. Three minutes had passed since I got home. I tried surfing the internet. My god, it takes a long time for computers to boot these days. But it was too frustratingly slow. Hours, seemingly, to load each new page and a fraction of a second to read it. A hundred articles in my newsfeed read and just three more minutes done. I dipped into my pile of yet-to-be-read books and finished two more. Four minutes had passed. I decided to try sleeping off the rest of the effects of the drug. Unfortunately, whatever part of my mind is responsible for perception, the part that's been accelerated to hyperspeeds by the drug, isn't the same as the part that governs sleep. Despite being awake for what I perceived as days, my physical brain still thought it was 1.25 p.m. It was not ready for sleep. Nevertheless, I tried to sleep. I walked to my bedroom, a slow 45-minute drift through my apartment, and flung myself into bed, lazily falling like a feather onto a mattress. I closed my eyes and lay there for hours and hours, ten minutes of reality time, before giving up. Sleep would not come. I was facing what was going to feel like days or maybe even weeks of being trapped in a slow-motion prison. So I took an Ambien. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, no. The sensation of the pill and the splash of the water I used to swallow and the sliding down my throat was sickening, a lump that blocked my breathing, moving like a slug down my esophagus. I read a book, 10 minutes had passed. I read another, 18 minutes since I took the ambient. I threw the book across the room in disgust at my situation. (laughs) The book slowly perioded and spun through the air like a leaf blowing in the like a leaf blowing in a breeze. It hit the wall with a long, faint rumble, the only sound I had heard for what seemed like hours, then drifted to the floor like a flip-flop sinking into a swimming pool. The force of gravity hadn't changed since I took the pill. The laws of physics were the same. It was just my perception of time that had gone wackadoo. This meant I could use the speed things seemed to fall as a way of judging the effects of the drug. Based on how long it took the book to drift to the floor, I estimated the effects of the drug were still intensifying. I read a magazine. (laughs) It's getting worse. (laughs) I read a magazine. I turned on the television. I clearly saw each frame of the video like I was watching a slideshow. Frustrating, I turned the television off. I read some more. I'd go to the library. The first two books of Churchill's A History of the English-Speaking Peoples, not exactly a light read. Frankly, I hated it, but given the hours of tedium it would take to go get another book off of my bookshelf, just sitting on the couch and reading Churchill was better, or at least less worse. It had been 35 minutes since I took the Ambien. I lay down on the couch and closed my eyes. Time passed. I inhaled. A long hour, hours-long process. Time passed. I exhaled for hours. Sleep would not come. I needed a new plan. I decided to go back to the offices where they had given me the drug. Maybe they would have something that could counteract its effects, or at least something to knock me out until it wore off. I exited my apartment as fast as possible. 
taking hours in my time frame to do so. I didn't even bother locking the door. It would have taken too long. Down the stairs, it's faster than the elevator if you run, through the lobby, out the front door, and onto the street. These few things felt like a long day at the office. Sprinting down the street, dancing and weaving between pedestrians with what must have looked to them superhuman dexterity. Down the first flight of stairs at the metro, across the landing, another hour, then on to the second flight of stairs. That's when the ambient hit me. The ambient didn't make me sleepy, not at all. Instead, it must have had a severe cross-reaction with the experimental drug I took this morning. I was bounding down the second flight of stairs, moving in slow motion, but still making perceptible progress. Then wham, everything stopped. The dull roar of the street and the metro's noise ceased, replaced by the most perfect silence I've ever experienced. My downward motion seemed to completely freeze. Before the ambient kicked in, my perception of time was maybe a few hundred times slower than real time. After the ambient took effect, time moved thousands of times slower. Oh, no. Every second seemed like days to me. Steve Madden. <laughs> That's all I think of. Even just moving my eyes to focus on a new point was like an impossibly slow scroll across my visual field. Over the course of the afternoon, I learned how to walk, run, and jump when my mind ran hundreds of times faster than my body. But with another four or five orders of magnitude of slowdown caused by the ambient, body control was almost impossible. I fell on the stairs. Even though I was all but frozen in mid-step, controlling my muscles was impossible. I commanded my foot forwards for hours, then backwards for hours, more when it seemed like I would miss the next step. Hours attempting to adjust the angle of my ankle, then readjusting it when it felt wrong. Despite these efforts, I rolled my ankle on the first step. The pain wasn't all mitigated by the slowness. Hours of increasing strain on my bent ankle, the nerve signals that send pain into the brain must work differently than the nerves in the ear. Sonic energy was spread out over time, dilated until it was imperceptible. Pain flowed into my brain, undilated by the change in my perception of time. Hours and hours of increasing weight on my turned ankle turned into hours of increasing pain upon increasing pain. I pitched forwards, my high-speed mind completely unable to control my low-speed body. I drifted downwards for days, managing to rotate my torso enough to keep my head from impacting the ground first. I eventually landed on my right shoulder. At first, the impact wasn't even noticeable. Then I felt a slight pressure in my shoulder as it came in contact with the ground. The pressure grew, bringing increasing pain for hour upon hour. My shoulder finally gave out, popping out of its socket, popping out of its socket with an endless sickening tug. I came to a stop days later, crumbled onto the ground, staring at the ceiling. The pain in my shoulder still screaming with the intensity of a fresh violent injury. I had plenty of time to think during that fall. If every second seemed like days to me, then each minute of real world time would be like years. Even if the drug cleared out of my system in the next two or three hours, the nightmare would seem to last centuries. By the time I hit the ground, I had a plan. I would somehow get to the platform and throw myself in front of a train. I twisted onto my hands and knees, Days of my dislocated shoulder crying for relief, 
I misjudged my rotation and rolled onto my back. I tried again, collapsing onto my face as I tried to figure out how to control a body that moved slower than grass grew. Weeks of effort were finally rewarded with success. I stabilized on my hands and knees. If just getting on all fours was this difficult, I figured that walking or running was completely out of question, so I crawled. I crawled through the metro tunnel. The dumb looks on the faces in the crowd lingered on me for weeks. I crawled under this turnstile and onto the escalator. The escalator spilled the rush hour crowd onto the platform at the same speed a glacier spills ice into the sea. I looked out over the crowded platform during my interminable downward ride. The train status sign said the next train wouldn't arrive for 20 minutes. 20 minutes was like a year to me. I'd have to spend a year on the metro platform waiting to die. I crawled off the escalator, enduring days of stupid expressions on the commuters' faces. I crawled a few feet to a concrete bench and curled up next to it, trying to find a position to lessen the pain in my shoulder. Then my problem with time got worse, and possibly worse. The massive slowdown on the stairs was just the beginning of the interaction between the experimental drug and the ambient. It fully hit me when I was curled up by the bench. I blinked. Years of darkness followed. Sound was already gone, and with my blink, sight was as gone as well. All that existed was the pain from my fall. My hyper-accelerated mind wasted no time compensating for the lack of sensory input. Voices spoke to me. They sung to me in languages that never existed. Patterns and faces and colors came and went in my mind's eye. I recalled my whole life and imagined living another. I forgot English. I settled into a profound despair. I spoke to God. I became God. I imagined a new universe and brought it to life with my thoughts. Then I did it all again and again. My eyes opened with geologic slowness. A faint glow. Weeks. A slit of light. Weeks. A narrow view on the metro platform. Ankles of the commuters near me and an advertisement on the opposite wall. I extracted my phone from my pocket. A project that spanned decades. How can I even explain the boredom? The pain in my shoulder is nothing compared to the boredom. Even though every thought I can think, I have thought hundreds of times already. The view of the ankles and advertisements never changes. Never. The boredom is so intense it's tangible. Like a solid object of metal and stone wedged into my skull. Inescapable. What are my options? If I crawl and fall onto the tracks without an oncoming train to crush me, I won't die. I'll experience even more pain from the four-foot fall, but I'll most likely be rescued by some do-gooder on the platform and unable to act when the train finally does arrive. My suffering in that scenario will be endless. So I wait for the train, so I can throw myself under it. When it finally hits me, I will experience the pain of being ripped to pieces for centuries until finally the light of my life leaves my brain and my experience ends. I lived hundreds of lifespans at the foot of this bench. I am far older in spirit than any human who has ever lived. Most of my life experience has been a snapshot of pain huddled on the floor of a subway platform with an unchangeable view of ankles and advertisements. This post is my plan B, my Hail Mary, my long shot, 
I've spent lifetimes typing and posting this message in the hope that someone will read it and become convinced that my suffering must end. Someone on this platform right now. Someone who will find the man curled under the bench, the man who crawled down the escalator and kill him as swiftly as possible. A bullet to the temple. If you're armed and at Glenmont Metro, please shoot me. I like that one. Yeah, it's a good man. one. What I don't get is why didn't anybody call the cops on this crazy motherfucker fumbling and falling down these stairs and crawling all around like I guess it was only like an hour. You've never been to New York, huh? No. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, man. That one, when I read it, it creeped me the fuck out. Oh, I was yeah. like, holy shit. Ugh. And then the, like the time getting longer and longer and the lifetimes. Yeah, lifetimes like, like, I mean, I ugh. feel like I, would, I wouldn't take Ambien. You know, that that always freaks me out. Uh, same with uh, the music video for the... Uh, the song one Metallica mm-hmm. one, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That same concept. Oh, it's just stuck in yourself. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, man. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine like in your perception of time, like most of your life, you're just sitting there in pain. Mm. That would I, I know a lot of people that actually <laughs> are like, yeah, that's me. Oh. People that are just sitting there in constant pain yeah. and like, Oh yeah. I watch, I watch the podcast. It giggles. I, it makes me giggle, and then it hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like sorry, oh, but I I'm guess sorry not. I'm hurting anybody, sorry. making yeah. anybody have pain. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sorry for the laugh part. You're a sadist. A little you bit. Just enjoy it. It's fun to watch fat people fall on YouTube. It is. It's yeah. funny to watch fat people fall, including myself. Like if I had a camera. If I like had a video of when I fell in the shower a couple weeks ago, like, I would have fucking laughed forever. There is a video. Shit still hurts. My ass still fucking hurts. There's a video and a GIF file of me falling down my front steps. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Well, you, there's the video of me almost falling down my stairs. <gasps> yeah. I'm just, like you just see. We like, need to do a compilation. I'm almost video. completely naked. Yep. It was pretty awesome. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, "Oh God, why?" <laughs> I like that you kept going, though. <laughs> You're like... I made the decision. Because <laughs> I was going to, like, turn my car on so it would be warm by the time I had to go out to work. So, like, I had to make the decision. I knew if I had stopped to pick up the towel or the blanket <laughs> that I would have gotten wet and it would have been more miserable. <laughs> so I decided it would be more tolerable to just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> But at least, like, you didn't get to your car and then go, oh, fuck, I'm in the middle of my neighborhood, butt naked. No, and then, man, like, listen. all of a sudden, the existential dread, like, sinks in. And you're like, I can't go back in the house. And I don't have any car- nope. clothes in my car. Oh, I'm stuck here. I didn't actually turn my brain on until I was in the shower that morning. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, reflective, reflexively went... <laughs> Turn on my car and fucking, and then later I was like, dude, that was probably funny. And then there was and a I video. watched my ring. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of silly ass shit on my ring. Also, I'm pretty sure my neighbors have all seen me in my boxers at least multiple times. Yeah, but that's kind of like seeing. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why I think that me running six feet fucking quickly isn't gonna like nobody's gonna see me like fucking in my underwear like. 37 year old fucking fat man running across his porch. Yeah, it's like Tarzan's in slow first motion. Wet like, dream. I'm like going in slow motion, but because I'm fat. 
did you ever see uh there's a reddit story or something like that that goes around and it's a girl talking about how this guy convinced her or her boyfriend or whatever convinced her that if his balls covered up his butthole that it would airlock him and something would happen like i can't remember what it was said something would happen but so this man basically conned his way into having his balls cradled every night <laughs> oh, no. and i just kept reading this thing and i'm just like he's a genius but boy did i, saw I bet like it sucked that. afterwards <laughs> it was like the guy conned the nurse into giving him a sponge bath and then she said something to the other staff and they were like He's not supposed to get. He He's can do that by get. himself. Oh, what movie was that? That was. Uh, <laughs> was that a movie? There was an. Oh, there was a movie with the dude from American Pie. Oh no, James Vanderbeek. Oh. Yep. It happened. Wait, was it him? No, it wasn't him. It wasn't James Vanderbeek? It was. Oh no, this is gonna bother me now. Correct uh, us well, in the comments. What movie am I thinking of with the SpongeBob? Or Aziza, our fact checker, should be doing that stuff. But mm. I don't even know where she went. I think you scared her with your story, or at least you reading it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, look at this little monkey man. Why does he still look dirty? I don't because he is. No, it's just your kids. They're perpetually dirty, dude. They're, yeah, kind of like you. I scrubbed Ronan's knees the other day. Nothing happened. Oh, they are just dirty. They're just, They're just permanently, permanently fucking dirty. dirt. And he asked me, he goes, "Why is it like that?" And I go, "Because you're dirty. Because you're a dirty little boy. Like, because <laughs> you walk on your knees and shit all the time." Did your parents tell you you're gonna grow potatoes in your ears when you were younger? No, no. I wasn't. I wasn't. A, I wasn't a dirty kid. My mom caught me uh, playing with mud once, just once. I didn't get my ass beat though. I think she... Micah ate mud. That's not surprising. No, it's not. He definitely was a weird kid. I told the story about you shooting your brother the other day. Oh, we don't want to talk about that in the podcast. Why not? I don't know, because then you I have to tell the story. About you about you shooting your brother? <sighs> so, you know, ever I don't know. When you were a kid, did you have BB guns? Yes. Did you ever, like, just shoot the air at people? Yeah. No. No? Or no. like just shoot the air? Mm-mm. Oh, I okay. never did that. Well, we and Mike. I knew a lot of like dumbasses that did Shoot the air at each other, uh-huh. right? And then this other kid, this neighbor was, I guess he was using my BB gun. So I knew like the last time I had used it, you know, I didn't have anything in it. I know. I learned. Trust me. <laughs> this, I was like nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I I went and I grabbed it and I went to shoot air at him. And then he just drops to the ground. Yeah. And he has this little hole right in his side. And uh, it went into his small intestines and bounced around about five times. So he had to get like a few inches of his small intestines removed. Mm-hmm. And then he had a big scar down his stomach that looked like a butt. It looked like a butt. That was my favorite For the rest part. of his life. He got me back. Oh, yeah, he did. He, like, threw that rock and Multiple hit me in times. the head. And, yep. Well, yeah. It wasn't on accident. I also set him on fire on accident once. I, yeah, I said. I think everybody We were, like, Mike making napalm. Mm-hmm. And I, like, flung it, and it went right on his leg. So I, bad. I shoved a uh, a lit marshmallow uh-huh. 
None of it was on purpose. Oh, I I actually used to have nightmares about Micah getting hurt and like not being able to be there for him. Ah, so like even though you were the fucking cause of some of his turmoil. I I mean, (laughs) you abused your little brother, and I'm holding you. He's my brother. Okay, if I want to hurt him, that's fine. fine. Anybody else or anything else happens to him, there's a fucking problem. Right. right. (laughs) I felt bad about the time I threw the the. I I can't remember if I told this story uh, before or not, but. Uh, when I was sitting at the computer mm-hmm. and I arced the uh, ice cube mm-hmm. and it hit him, he was laying down sideways and whichever eye was on top, yeah. it like smacked him right oh, in man. the, it, right where you get a black eye. Right. Yeah. And it, and I threw it far enough and hard enough that it right off his face. Well, he groaned and rolled over. That's what I was trying to get him to do because mm-hmm. he was snoring. So I was like, all right. That worked. The next day, I walk down to FC and find out that he's been looking for me because he wants to beat my ass because I gave him a black eye. <laughs> and I didn't blame him. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Dusty's Dildo Antique Emporium for the elderly. If it was made before 1989, we don't have it. Is Grandma having a hard time reaching the perfect spot? Try our Randy Reach Around. Is Pappy upset going in dry? Well, not anymore. Our moisturizing lubrication will do the job. You can also use it on your car. Stop on by and use the discount code Big Daddy Dong to get 25% off your first order. All right, so uh, I'm going to take a break from reading. And uh, who wants to go next? I think it should be my turn. Your turn? I feel it. Well, let's hear what you got, Nick. I didn't even know you could read. Actually, I can't. Oh, I'm cheating. Oh, yeah. It's, I have it, to edit a lot. This huh? is an a, no. This is an AI generated thing. Yeah. So just yeah. I'm gonna have to edit a lot. Yeah. I don't know. At least you'll say the words enough times that I can like pick one of them and just. I'm gonna read it, it like an together. asshole though. <laughs> oh god. <clears throat> can I preface that I picked this because my shirt? And because Nick can't read. Oh, because we the weeping angels. Short one. Oh, yeah. Shut up. So, a few years ago, a mother and father decided they needed a break. So they wanted to head out for a night on the town. They called their most trusted babysitter. How has a most trusted babysitter? Okay. Like a one, two, well, and three position? I mean, like, do we call... find somebody who works good for you. But like... do you call your second best babysitter when you're just trying to, like, go to a motel real quick, bang one out so the kids can't hear it, and then you come back home? Like, is that what the three positions for? Like, what's other positions for if you call well, number one? We anyway. should we should message Nixish and ask her or They him. posted this 12 years ago. I they hope might that they don't have it. to worry about fucking children anymore. Anyway, okay. back to my story. Mark, you started. Okay, go. (laughs) When the babysitter arrived, the two children were already fast asleep in bed. So the babysitter just got to sit around and make sure everything was okay with the children. Later that night, the babysitter got bored and went to watch TV. But she couldn't watch TV downstairs because they didn't have cable downstairs. What assholes. The parents didn't want the kids to watch too much garbage. That's always what the excuse is. That's not my excuse. Fucking cable's expensive. So so she called them and asked them if she could watch cable in the parents' room. What assholes. You only have cable in your room? That's weird. Of course, the parents said it was okay. But the babysitter had one final request. She asked if she could cover up the angel statue outside the bedroom window with a blanket or cloth. 
at the very least, the close the blinds maybe, because it made her nervous. The phone line was silent for a moment, and the father, who was talking to the babysitter at the time, said, take the children and get out of the house. We will call the police. We don't have an angel statue. The police found all three of the house occupants dead within 10 minutes of that call. No statue was ever found. What the fuck? This fake? I just want to know what position the statue is in. That's like my main concern. Like, was it a weeping angel statue? No, because that shit's not real. I love Dr. Was it like one of them cherubby fucking angels? Because those are scary. Or it was just like a murderer dressed as an angel. What if wait, you mean no. like one of the statue like, Do you like Doctor no, no, no. Who? Hold on, I've loved Doctor Who. You I haven't Doctor watched Who? it. I haven't watched yeah. it. How the fuck did I not know you guys liked Doctor that Who? That was like one of what our like fuck? bonding moments I love because fuck. my phone wait, case. Did I know Sonic's Did I know? I, know? I did know. Yeah. How the fuck did it. I forget? I haven't watched it in years. Neither. We stopped at Matt Smith. Yeah. I stopped at what's his name, Peter Capaldi. I stopped right at the beginning. Yeah. And I like. I like the whole Missy and Pete Doctor thing. People now, don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Sorry. What I was thinking about with this one is you could make it another layer, like creepier sort of. It's like that story from uh, Tales from the Crypt with the mm-hmm. fucking um, when the mom m- uh, murders the dad and the kids upstairs on Christmas and there's a wacko uh, Santa Claus running around I don't and the Santa Claus busts in on this lady killing That's her the husband. Movie we're gonna stuff. do. Yeah. Nick. We're gonna do the Tales, Tales from, from the Crypt, Crypt. movie. Oh. Because they did make one, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. The original. So it's like 1978 or something like that. With the so we're going to do like another shit. movie like mm. we did. This movie, that movie, that movie gets me. Okay. All right. All right. Sweet. I love the Crypt Creeper. No, no, no. The original movie, Tales from the Crypt. Uh-huh. Crypt Creeper's oh. not in it. Oh, I might not know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, we could also do like Bordello of Blood or Demon Knight. I, don't, I love whatever. Demon we'll Knight. Billy Zane and Demon Knight one. is the shit. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Love it's Billy the Zane. weirdest thing. I always wanted Billy Zane to play Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. And I never got is that. Is it because of his eyes? No, it's because of his bald head and the fact that he can be an asshole in a very charismatic way. See, I, I think it's the eyes. He can get the crazy eyes, but then he can look like any normal dude, like in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's not it's that's, so good. So that's like a good transition for Lex Luthor always for me, because Lex Luthor always, when he starts fucking talking about Superman and all his fucking powers and shit, he sounds like... a nutbag yeah like yeah he's the smartest man like he's talking about ufos of us like mm-hmm. he's like, like superman and there's blah 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 and you're like superman dude sucks. chill superman doesn't suck dc sucks no yeah fuck no. dc you know what Maybe marvel DC motherfucker doesn't i would like hate to be marvel motherfucker marvel. what and do you you're think dark dc or marvel <laughs> it's dc isn't it no. It's she doesn't get ah neither's neither's whatever an acceptable you're answer. neither's acceptable answer because so fuck, wait you both like DC more there's better Man, I comics, can't hang right? out with you guys anymore there's better comics from your perspective I don't blame people for thinking that at all Dark Horse Dark Horse Dark Horse is Dr. owned by whatever um, but the um, Firefly is Dark Horse isn't it yeah nobody cares about that suck Dark my Horse, dick for you bitch and your four brothers and fucking Firefly. <gasps> Do you, Why is it that, Don't like, make me get Vera You do like a lot of things <laughs> That are canceled That I like do. Yeah mm-hmm. 
because I see their worth. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> I always thought it would be awesome if they brought back Briscoe County Jr. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the stupidest clip you make. <laughs> Because hopefully we get Bruce Campbell to chime in and be like, no. I might return. No, he won't no. return for that. No. no. Briscoe County Jr. Nobody cares. Try. Like, we have like three listeners. Four. Yeah, I think. It's fair. I listen to it. It makes me laugh. Am I weird? Because I think my podcast is funny. Yeah. I hope your mom laughs I'm every time we like, talk about how small your penis she, is. She watches and listens. Mm-hmm. I, know, I get requests she to doesn't say like, lesbian at work. She doesn't lesbian. like our stuff. Like, it should. Mom. It shows me you looked at it. Just hit like, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hit the thumbs up, please. About some of the stuff? No. I remember I remember one time. See, Mark had... She says she's scared of what I'm going to say, though. Mark had the ghettoist sound system hooked up, and it was just obviously whatever he could get to work, and then however many speakers we could attach to it. And I'll never forget... His mom came out of her room just to tell him to shut off that song. You ain't got to say too much from the look in your eyes. I can tell you what. Oh, God, I know I've told that. No. St- I've had to have told that story before already. Oh, God, it's still so one of my cringy. favorites. Why would you tell people that? I love that. It's because some you... stupid girl I was with at the time liked it. No, it, and she wasn't even there. It was a bunch of us <coughs> were in the house. No, and you were but playing that's it why to I was listening mom. to it. Pro- oh, uh-uh, I was no, you're trying just to playing fuck it with my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you weren't trying to fuck with your mom playing like, serenading no. with that song, I, I you fucking weirdo. Oh. <laughs> Why are you touching me again? What? I was gonna you f- just fucking touched me. Hold on. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah. What's that noise? People. No, no, no. The other noise. What other noise? Listen. Is it in here or Listen. is it out? Mark. Mark. Are you fucking with you me? Have a tiny penis. <laughs> Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Yeah, it said something about a tiny penis in me. Which <laughs> tiny I penis mean, in you? I thought that was like a common knowledge that my dick is like real small. Hmm. Hung like a hockey puck. Yeah. I thought we should no more hung like a tic tac. Nah, I like tuna can. Tic tac. Tuna cans. That's not that's that bad. giving me too much. There's a lot of meat inside of a tuna can. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that much meat. I'm just saying. It's like a little tic tac. You ever watch Dickie Roberts? No, 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 wait, it's not Dickie Roberts. What is it called? It has uh We're fucking up movies left and right tonight. I don't even know anymore. It doesn't matter. There is a sound. Uh huh. Saying Mark has a tiny penis over and over again. We have so many electronic devices around me. It just doesn't matter. I'll cancel it out. Yeah. Okay, so so now we gotta have Z right read right. Uh huh. Are you ready? So I read this one sitting while I was waiting to get a haircut, and mm-hmm. I was nervous the whole time because I was I didn't want it to be my turn until I was done reading it. <laughs> so the, it, this so it just to put it in perspective, add time that ago. anxiety to reading this for me because well, like, so for a while. For a little background with this story, people were trying to present it as true yeah. online. They still do, but it's not. Try, it's fiction. It's, it's very fictitious. It's real. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah, if you know anything about medical anything, yeah, this thing is absolutely acidine. Right. But and it, anybody if it weren't, it would be who very fucking to scary. Podcast or not podcast. Anybody who listens to like 
creepy stories or anything like that, you've seen it and heard it. Oh, yeah. And bo- but, but tonight, boys and girls, we have for you the... Russian sleep experiment. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them since it was toxic in high concentrations. Ha! Laughing gas. Okay. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones to record audio and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chambers to monitor them, which is, like, not much at all if you really think about it. These chambers were each stocked with books, cots to sleep on with no bedding. They had running water and a toilet. It makes you wonder, does the toilet work? Mm. Yeah. Hopefully. It's like an experiment. They all had to like sign up for it. Everybody it's it's only 15 days, no, though, so th- like, I don't know. You know, maybe the toxins help. That's why I'm, I have questions. Uh-huh. They had enough dried food to last all five for over a month. So, okay, so in case they get the munchies, got it. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Oh, there you go. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised, falsely of course, that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about their increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took a darker aspect after the fourth day. Can I just say that if I had to read that out, I would have fucking fumbled on it like six times. (laughs) After five days, they started to complain about their circumstances and events that led to them to where they were. They started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternatively whispering to the microphones in the one-way mirrored portholes. Oh, the portholes are one-way. I didn't know that. I Uh, thought they could see out. like... Like, I thought it was normal. Interest, interesting. That would make it even more worse because all you're seeing is your own faces. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. That really does cut off that. Okay. Oddly, they all seem to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over on their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber and repeatedly yelled at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared pages after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. Interesting. So did the whispering to the microphones. There's poo on the porthole. <laughs> After three more, they could have just peed on them. It would it would hold better. It's book pages. If they would peed on them and 
Maybe it Never answers mind. in the story. <laughs> Why does it sound like the difference between if this was an experiment with, with, with this many men versus this many women? The women we discovered at this point is where this is where the men decided to shit on the pages and put them on the thing. But the woman group pissed on them and then put it on the thing. And the reasoning behind it is because it smelled a lot less fucking disgusting. Oh, that and there's less little less bacteria. Anyway. Anyway, after three more days, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any sort of response from the captives. They were afraid they were either dead or vegetables. They announced through the intercom, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones, step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond, We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of its stimulant gas and filled with fresh air and immediately voices from the microphones began to object three different voices began begging as if pleading for the life of loved ones to turn the gas back on the chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects they began to scream louder than ever and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state that any of them were in life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Ew... Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers had initially thought. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Closer examinations of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most of them, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen working and digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. 
Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal breaking the ribs and arms of one doctor when one heart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he had bled out to the point there was no more air in his vascular system than blood even after it stopped he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent Their surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back inside his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for surgery. He fought ferociously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier was holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under. In the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had triple the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force of his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly they try the surgery without an anesthetic and did not react to the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. <laughs> when the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simply keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. 
although they had been injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. So the paralytic works, but not the sedation. I guess. Yeah. That's different. Interesting. Like muscle relaxers and stuff. Okay. Maybe because it's inhaling versus injection. Mm. Because the anesthetic they use for surgery goes over your mouth to breathe, and it's a mixture of oxygen and stuff, just like the gas in the chamber. Depends on what kind of anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can shoot you up, and you're fucking... Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay. So injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. <laughs> Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bounds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced as they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered euthanizing their surviving subjects. The commanding officer and former KGB agent instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but clearly were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had the restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious at this point all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bounds with all of his might, first left, then right, then left again, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off the pillow and blinking rapidly, having been the first to be wired for EEG. Most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. Only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed now. His brainwave showed the same flatness as the one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes and then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed the gun at the remaining subject, still restrained in bed, as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with those things. Not with you. He screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within all you. 
begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. Perfect. Look at that picture. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I saw AI-generated pictures of Hitler today, and I, they were, that was some scary shit. Like, you ask AI, you what's Hitler? You don't have that much more to read. That oh, it, that's thought, it. No, that's uh-huh. the end. Yeah, that's the end. Wait, where? Hold on. So nearly free. Oh. Yeah. And then that's appearance it. and origins is the next oh, part. Oh, okay. Yeah. That one freaks me out. Yeah, that one freaks me out. A little bit. I mean, the Russians definitely did all kinds of crazy shit like yeah. that. So did um, <clears throat> the United States. Well, yeah, and I mean, all, there's all a ton of, of our governments are fucking. Yeah, you can terrible. find. Yeah, like they might not. Sti- they might not call it MK Ultra, but they still do shit like that. Not so even just governments, though. So like, wait. think about oh, it. Yeah, all the big universities have <clears throat> research projects yep. that. Mm-hmm. There's private funded stuff too. So yeah. we should do a story on MK Ultra. Right? Oh, we are gonna oh, do oh, a absolutely. story on MK Ultra. Yeah. Just wait. I'm mm-hmm. not ready yet. Oh yeah. I have yeah. to do a lot of research and writing for that one. Well, because you gonna have to be a sort multi, through. It's gonna be a multi part thing. I'm gonna wear a hoodie, a ball cap, and some aviators for that episode. The it's problem be like with three MK Ultra though is like there's yeah. so much. <laughs> three episodes probably. Yeah, right? Oh, no, God. it's going to take like three episodes. There's so much bullshit with it. Yeah. So you have to like filter mm-hmm. through like what is just lore and bullshit versus well, like one, what has One of the, the episodes will be back. like the lore and bullshit. That next episode will be like whatever and then yeah, cover everything. Because that shit, our government is fucking terrible. Oh, the I guess it's my turn, experiment. huh? Yeah. I forgot how to read. Sorry. Can we have our guest? That doesn't speak read. <laughs> By the way, we have a guest. <laughs> An Our observer, if you will. Yeah, a silent we're being, observer. We're being audited. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Is that why she has the clipboard? Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> and she keeps Fuck. going like this. <laughs> <laughs> she sold happiness in glass jars. The poster read, happiness Sold in glass jars. Call today. And underneath the text was a phone number. I was walking home from a long, exhausting day of work when I caught a glimpse of the paper stapled on an old telephone pole. I took a picture of it, thinking it was amusing. I was going to show my wife once I got to our apartment, but I was caught up with chores and forgot about it. Dinner, dishes, laundry, packing a snack for our daughter, putting her to bed, then putting her toys away that she'd left out in the living room every night it was the same exact routine the next day i awoke sleeping back to back with my wife i always had to get up earlier than she did for my job so i quietly got ready for the day and headed out the door at work i was updating the company's latest expense report most days were similar to this one they were basically paying me to stare at a computer for nine hours a day and input a couple numbers into a spreadsheet I finished my work very quickly, so I decided to head out of the office early. It also helped that it was Friday, 
and a lot of people leave early at the end of the week. On my walk back, I was thinking of what my life had become. I did this often. I always dreamed of traveling when I was younger. I wanted to drive across the country or solo backpack across Europe. Then I met Kelsey. Don't get me wrong, I loved Kelsey. I mean, I still do. We just don't have that spark anymore. When you meet someone and get into a relationship, whether it's meant to be or not, some of your personal life plans have to be put on hold. And then that relationship turns to marriage, and then you have a baby, then you have to enroll your daughter in preschool, then you have to get a better paying job and work for more hours and blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to throw a pity party for myself. I'm just saying I wasn't exactly content with where I was in my life. I wouldn't have referred to myself as a happy person. As I took the same route home that I did every day back to work and back, I walked by the same poster I'd passed the day before. I don't know why, I really don't, but I decided to call the number. I figured it would be just some joke. Maybe someone that just picks up the phone and says, I love you, on the other end and hangs up. Or maybe it's a line to a sex worker. I had no idea what to expect. I called. It only rang once before someone picked up. Hello, a woman said. Hi, um, I'm calling about your poster, your ad. Oh, awesome, she said calmly. When do you want to pick it up? Pick up what? The jar, she said, like it was the most obvious thing in the world. Oh, of course, um, I realized then that I had left work early without telling Kelsey so I could just go pick it up now and she'd be none the wiser. What exactly is it that you're selling? I just told you, it's happiness in a glass jar. Like the poster said, happiness keeps best in glass jars. They're more durable than, say, a plastic bag. Um, okay, should we meet somewhere? For sure. I don't want you to end up being a creep or something, so let's go to a public place. <laughs> the public place we decided on was a Starbucks parking lot a little over a mile from me. Now, I didn't think I was really going to be buying a jar of happiness or whatever. I was 99% sure she was going to be selling me drugs. Maybe heroin would be in the jar. I remember thinking, oh no, happiness is probably a nickname for some street drug and I'm going to a drug deal. What if she's a cop? Am I going to be arrested? But something inside me told me to keep walking, and so I did. I stood outside and texted her. I'm here. Cool. Be there in a second. What are you driving? Silver Camry. And as her final text message came through, I saw her car pull in. She took a spot not too far from where I stood. I could see there was no one else in the car, which put my kidnapping fear to rest. <laughs> she opened her door and stood on the pavement looking around until her eyes met mine. I gave her a little nod of acknowledgement. She simply responded by waving her hand, gesturing for me to come over to her car, so I did. She was young, maybe mid-twenties, with curly golden hair. Her skin was pale and contrasted with the all-black outfit she was wearing. I thought she looked like Glinda the Good Witch from The Wizard of Oz had put on the Wicked Witch's clothes. Nice day out, she said as a greeting. Oh yeah, it is. Hadn't really paid attention to it. You were the one that called about the jar, right? Yeah, that was me. Cool, here you go. She handed me a very small glass mason jar. 
It couldn't have been more than two inches tall. Inside of it was light. Not a light bulb, just light. It was like someone bottled up sunshine. It glowed even in the mid-afternoon daylight. It looked like a tiny sun or a tiny universe existing in this little crystal-walled home. I was admiring it with no attempt to hide the awe on my face. Pretty rad, isn't it? What? What is it? You've asked that like three different times. I think my answer is still the same. It is happiness. Happiness in a glass jar. What do I do with it? Keep it, she said simply. If you have any problems, shoot me a text. She started to get into her car. Wait, I said. I thought you were selling this. How much is it? Don't worry, man, she said with a smile. You'll pay. The first one's free. That's what I... <laughs> she closed her door, and I stepped out of the way as she backed up, then drove off. What the hell had just happened? What was I holding? I looked down at the jar again. Its radiance was simply mesmerizing. I put it in my pocket and could see its glow slightly through my pants. I began to walk home. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I've had that. Yeah. Glowing dick in your pants? Yeah. <laughs> you can't turn you can't make yours glow? Yeah. Is that like a thing? Yeah. Nope. Sorry, no. not no. fucking Am I the mutant or LED strip? You? I got it off Ally Express. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh no. I was yeah, no. It's it was it's not like a superpower or anything. I just Oh. Okay. Uh, I thought it was useful. You never whipped it out and used it like a flashlight? No, it's too How do you small. pee in the dark? Too small. I sit. Uh, I can't afford night vision yet, so I figured penis flashlight. That and your light. friends won't let you borrow it because they know what you'll do with it. Because I'll drop it, I know. Oh, God. What was just a nice sunny day quickly changed into a rainy one with clouds wrapping the sky. It was not forecasted that it would rain or else I would have ridden the bus or subway to work that day. I jogged home trying not to get too drenched. I finally found shelter once I made it to my apartment building. I walked up to my door and found that my key wasn't on the key ring anymore. Shit, I can't believe I lost it again, I thought. I knocked on the door and said in a somewhat loud voice, Hey babe, it's me. I don't know what happened to my key. I heard the door being unlocked from the other side. When the door opened, I was greeted by a large, heavy-set man with greasy hair and unkempt goatee. He said, I think you got the wrong door, bud. Oh, I said, disoriented. My bad. Sorry. Have a good one. He let out a chuckle as he closed the door. Apartment number 33. I know that was my apartment. I know it was. I'd been in apartment 33 for five years now. But that was not my apartment. From what I could see inside, all the furniture was different. It was painted a different color. It was all wrong. I felt like I'd hit my head and was drugged. In that moment, nothing made sense. I pulled out my phone to call Kelsey so she could calm me down and tell me I just got confused for a second, but her contact wasn't in my phone. In fact, nothing was in my phone. I had no messages from her, with no previous calls, no pictures. It was like my phone reset to its factory settings. Did that girl somehow switch my phone out when I wasn't looking? I would have just dialed Kelsey's number manually, but I couldn't quite remember it. I had known it by heart before, but not anymore. I needed to get back to the office. I had my, all of my contacts backed up on my work computer. 
Since it was still raining, I hopped on the bus, which had a stop right in front of the apartment complex. I rode downtown toward the office, the whole time staring at my wet shoes, wondering what the hell was going on. We have a key card access to our building, so only authorized personnel can get inside. I always keep my access card in my wallet. Always. But surprise, surprise, it wasn't there. I buzzed into the speaker we had for guests with appointments or employees as a backup in case anyone lost or forgot their card. Bzz. Hey, this is Tim. I must have lost my card. My employee number is... I stopped as I drew a blank. A voice came through the speaker. Tim, you got cut out. What's your employee number? Um, I can't remember. I... That's fine. Just tell me your full name and department. Uh, finance. I'm in finance. My full name is Tim Brooks. Okay, one sec. About 30 seconds later, the man spoke to me again. We don't have a Tim Brooks working in this building. Did you have an appointment with someone? I backed up in surprise, almost tripping on my own feet. I had just been in that office an hour or two ago. What was happening to me? I felt like I was getting Alzheimer's, but going through every stage in one day. I stared at my hands, unsure as if I was in the right body. I felt like the world around me was disintegrating. I wasn't in control. I was merely sitting inside somebody else's head, watching the world through their eyes. Just then I got a text. I recognized the number immediately. It was the girl, the one who had given me the jar. I'd forgotten all about it until I saw her text. Hey, how's it going? I looked at my phone, dumbfounded. It made me angry she was so nonchalant about this. She knew what was going on. She had done this somehow. What the hell did you do to me? The worst is yet to come. I was astronomically close to just chucking my phone as far as I could in frustration. I took the jar out of my pocket, unchanged, still glowing just as bright. What the fuck did you do? I yelled at the jar, realizing I probably looked like a lunatic. As I stared at this glistening glass, I realized something. I didn't know what my wife's face looked like anymore. I knew her name. Well, I knew it started with a K. Or maybe a C. I couldn't picture her in my mind. I knew I had a wife. I knew I did, yes, because I had a daughter. I had a wife and a daughter. I just couldn't remember their faces then, or their names, or their birthdays, or any memories I had with them. I knew they existed. They did exist. I had just seen them this morning, right? I couldn't remember how she looked, or what she smelled like. What was our first date? We had a wedding, right? What about our first kiss? Or my daughter? Or was it a son? Maybe I didn't even have a kid, but my wife or girlfriend, she was real. I knew she was. The thought was tearing me apart. I couldn't see her in my head. I couldn't recall a single fact about her. I was standing outside of the same building, but I was unsure why I was. Did I work there? I must work somewhere. The rain was accompanied by a chilly wind now. It was whipping at my face, making my nose and cheeks sting. I wanted to go home. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to be warm. I wanted to be I wanted to go into a shitty office job that kept a roof over my head. I wanted it all. I was soaking wet. I was miserable. I couldn't remember my parents or my childhood. Did I even have any friends? 
Why was I in the rain? I looked down at my hand. I was still clutching the jar. The only memory of my entire life I could concretely remember was that girl giving it to me, telling me it was happiness. It did not bring happiness. It brought pain. It brought suffering. I was more miserable in that moment than I'd ever been. My phone buzzed. Break the jar, Tim. I looked at my other hand. With the setting sun and raining sky, I swear the jar glowed brighter than any streetlight near me. I didn't break it because I was following her instruction. I broke it because I was angry. I broke it because I was upset. I needed a release. I raised my arm above my head and brought it down with one swift motion, shattering the jar on the concrete beneath my feet. That dark, chilly air accompanying the rain spread away like it was the shockwave of a bomb going off, and I was at the epicenter. I saw the warm yellow light from inside the jar rapidly spreading across the ground and ascend into the sky. It was as if I was watching the beginnings of the universe being created, like God had just snapped his fingers and said, Let there be light. I was engulfed in it. I could no longer see street or rain or anything dark. I felt like I was plummeting into a star going faster than speed of light. I felt like sitting in front of a fire on a cold winter's night, but that warmth was covering every inch by body. And then I blinked. Immediately, I could feel the sheets beneath me and my back barely touching my wives. I was staring out the window. The morning light drenched through the glass and gleamed on my face. I stood from bed and grabbed my phone. It was Friday morning. I had one text. Let me know if you ever need another jar, smiley face. What a whiner. What a whiny ass bitch. I called into work sick. I snuck into my daughter's room and greeted her with a kiss and told her she didn't have to go to preschool today. We were going to have a family day. She smiled and stretched out her arms with a yawn before curling up and falling back asleep. I got back in bed and squeezed my wife tightly. I didn't let go for hours. Our daughter came into our room and woke us up eventually. She was jumping on the bed and shouting for us to wake up. Yesterday I might have found that annoying. Yesterday I may have found a lot of things annoying or monotonous or dull, but not today. Today I pulled her under the covers in between me and Kelsey Today was going to be a good day. The day I was happy. He could just choose to live his life that way. Like, right. why? The why family sit and there? stuff? Like, would you? You would just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm cool with uh, not remembering anything. No, that's what I'm saying. He's a whiny bitch for being like, oh, a jar of happiness because well, yeah. I'm miserable. Ho, ho, ho. Like, and we then, fucking play but, with the yeah, kids but all then the, time. the jar like, of happiness made him realize that what he had was what made him happy. You know what this the yeah, whole the, the whole fucking thing feels that like? That jar is what's ridiculous because like you chose your life, man. It feels oh, like yeah. you Change went to it. a public bathroom without your phone, <laughs> and that's that's it. Like if I gave you a jar with a light uh-huh. in it and sent you to the fucking bathroom and you had to take like a half hour long shit without your Everything phone, things starts getting real dark. You would start <laughs> feeling like you need to fucking break that jar after these fucking stories. I mean, that wasn't really creepy, but I like that story. Personally. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I always like the ones where it's like topsy turvy yeah. shit, yeah. you know, has a little happy ending. Kind of. Well, he, he realized that his life was what made him happy. Yeah. Glad, glad he, uh, wisened up there. Yeah. 
instead of just, you know, Before choosing she to be his happy. Ass and fucking bounced. For real, dude. Like, how <laughs> miserable ha- was his life? But like, that's how people are sometimes. They way. get caught up in their own shit and they get it in their own heads and everything and they start to, like, not appreciate what they have as much and then, you know, they do get bored and that's why, like, relationships fail and, like, people get divorced and all of that because like, you know, they just get bored and they forget that one at one time that was their happiness. They took it for granted. Yeah. Granted. Maybe. Granted. Or I'm just crazy granted. and granted. I have no I was idea trying what I'm talking joke. about. Yeah. I'm a little bit towards that second part. Maybe you need to just break the fucking jar mark. Yeah. I'm happy. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I'll break this skull on your fucking face. Leave Sheila out of this. You cunt. What'd she ever do to you, man? Wow. She tried to suck my wiener. He's mad because he can't skull fuck it. What? No. Because it doesn't have a jaw. It's more Look, flesh. it's so small. Or a tongue. Just do right there. He's really pissed, though, because the, he wanted the jaw and the springs, and he wanted the springs to be rusty. He deleted the video of this, by the way. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> so we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. We need to do some specials We're for gonna Patreons. do some specials. We need Patreon. our patrons on our Patreon to make some requests. I still haven't stuff. heard from the ones I said. Yeah. All of our Patreons. To, I want to out. send you stuff. Reach out so I want we can touch you with things, not, uh, you know. I want to send you we stuff. We send you like cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Not we'll just give it all. I mean, to you can Joe, fake it and give us a PO box, or give us your neighbor's address, and we'll put your Whatever. name on it. But Listen, we'll put some weird title on it. We'll if fuck you give me with your you enemy's address, I'll like send them a dildo. <gasps> we could, yeah, we'll send. Ooh, which one? I don't know. A yeah. drag, big giant donkey cock. The donkey one. Those are expensive yeah. though. I mean, oh. there's probably. I, sales. I know a guy. You know a guy? Yeah, I can get them for like ninety percent off. You just can't ask any questions. <laughs> Ew. But I have all the questions. You can't. I always. Then have he's all not the going to give them to you. Yeah. He's going to be like, just go. Mm-mm. This isn't for you. <laughs> it's like the donkey show and clerks too. Yeah. And, so, uh, and sometimes the rest in the heat of, of the month, we're going to do scary stories. It's all scary. I have shit. user submitted stories. I'm still looking for more. Mm-hmm. We get enough. We can make it into two episodes. Uh, so if you have any like. Real life, like ghost encounters or supernatural. It doesn't even have to be supernatural. Like you could have had like somebody stalking you or something. Like I'll yeah. take that story too. Anything well, that makes the hair on the back like yeah, anything grass. that makes you kind of unsettled. You will get the question of why didn't you shoot them in the face yeah. though? But oh like, yeah, we're gonna. I'm not gonna you be a little like, bit. Yeah, I'm just curious. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> send me your stories. Uh, you can send it to our email, which is guns and gory. G-O-R-E-Y because we are special when we <laughs> Who's made this our week? email. No, 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 no. Um, so gunsandgory at gmail.com. Misspelled. Uh, you can message us on any of our social media and we'll get back to you fairly quickly. I'm the one who handles that stuff. So With it. Um, yeah. And give me your stories or not, whatever. Yeah. Well, I'll find something. We'll, ta- we'll take about. fake stories too, just as long as they don't sound like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, give me your written. Give us your short stories. Yeah, do we know anybody who writes? Other than somebody could get creative. I write poetry. Or I don't in songs. I don't. I can't do short stories. I can't concentrate long enough. Hmm. I'll have cool ideas, but then I, I could never like actually write them out in detail. Oh boy! I mean, my show, songs are like two minutes long for a reason. 
get bored and I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and then he, then all of a sudden Mark's got to like just start having a jar. And all of a sudden one day. <sighs> but mine's going to have jar poop of in light. it. Oh, yeah. A little shitty jar. No, no, no. Poop. And then Did you it's know half people, poop like, and half light. People poop in jars and then like after a while. Oh, they my gosh. And huff it. It's not just jars. It's not just oh, yeah. Oh, they get, they get creative with it. Buckets. 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 Yeah, and then they huff their they own like Let it ferment because the methane yeah. gets mm-hmm. you high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to try that. I've I've heard local police say names that I know. Oh. <laughs> and you know. And you know. And a lot of people know mm-hmm. in reference to that specific act. And I I laughed so hard I thought I was we'll going to We'll tell you when everything's off. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not. That. We're not shouting nobody out. Yeah, I can't shout out for that I? one. No, no, you're not, not at all. At all. Yeah. You're just gonna be like, there oh, are people tracks. that are listening to this going, <laughs> I know exactly mm, who right. he's oh, talking okay. about. Yeah, do not tag. No do not tag. Yeah, no that's, tag. That'll no shouting weird, anyone out. That'll get weird. All right, no listen. I'm Shame. like four episodes behind on videos, so you don't have to worry about any of this shit coming out for like two months. Yeah, Sorry. he might huff himself poop. No, nope. I won't do that. Oh boy, no, no, never mind. Good lord, huff and poop. <sighs> okay, well, this is Mark, and this is Nick, and I'm Z, and, and this, this is the Guns, Guns and Gory podcast. Well, hello, this is Z, and you guys have been listening to the Guns and Gory podcast. Written and produced by Mark Hodge and Nick Parrish. Audio engineering by Mark Hodge. Recorded in Fatboy Studios via Sir Nicky's Love Castle. Media manager is me, Z. We'd like to thank all of our friends and family for the amazing support and all of you awesome people listening in. Please join our Patreon for fun extras and behind the scenes with the guys. You can find us at patreon.com slash gunsandgory. That is guns, A-N-D-G-O-R-Y. You can also find us on the Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube. At Guns and Gory, thank you so much for listening. Please comment, like, share, subscribe, have a few carrier pigeons. We'll take them all.